So yeah, so like uh, what was mentioned before by Chris, we are going into our fifth week um, of this series that we're looking at, um, who we are, um, and we're thinking about what it means to value being a believer um, in Jesus Christ. Uh, so who we are, connecting with each other and connecting with God, um, growing together and growing with God, um, and serving each other and serving God. Um, so from a broader context, the way that I originally had planned out um, this series was looking at three subcategories, connection, growth, and service. So the first two weeks, we looked at intimacy with God and authentic relationships, um, so connection. Uh, weeks three and four, a transformed life as well as God's unique design. So that's the growth aspect. And now we're moving into um, sacrificial living and service um, and then community impact next week. So that's more along the lines of that service aspect. So today I want us to look at the greatest example of sacrifice and service, um, which is Jesus Christ. So our hope as a church and as Christians is to become more and more like Jesus, right? Um, so Chris read to us um, the, the Bible reading uh, from John 13, and I just wanted to start there um, and reading kind of the first couple of verses before we get into it. So, verse 1, it was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Um, so just a little bit of context, uh, where we are when this is happening. This is the night before Jesus um, would later die. And so he's kind of throwing a party and throwing kind of a nice big dinner uh, for his friends uh, and his disciples there. So having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them till the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of, si uh, the son of Simon Iscariot, to to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? So Peter's like, wait, what? You're not going to wash my feet? Maybe, maybe Peter had some type of foot thing. He, maybe he didn't want Jesus to kind of look at his gross feet. Uh, but then Jesus said, you do, not re uh, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. And we're going to stop there just for now. Um, so this morning, uh, I want to talk to you about the idea of sacrificial living and service. And the whole idea is climbing our way to the bottom. Um, Kind of sounds like a paradox, uh, but following Jesus is very upwards on the inside, but on the outside, he's calling us to lower ourselves. So there are, there are many radical things and beautiful things that transpire on the inside of your life when you follow God, but the ultimate journey of following Jesus is actually on the outside. It's downwards. We are not called to be number one, but in fact, we are called to be the least. And that's a crazy paradigm uh, for us to think about in this world, especially in 2021 and what that means to serve others. So before we get too deep into the sermon, let me open um, in prayer. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for bringing us here this morning. I pray that you will open our ears 
You'll open our minds. You'll open our hearts to your voice and to your leading. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So one of my favorite things when I was little, um, and it's been fun to do, uh, my kids really aren't that into it, uh, but they are a little bit, um, is Play-Doh. Um, so I liked playing with Play-Doh. Anybody else love Play-Doh? Claire? Yeah. Anybody not like Play-Doh? Yeah? That's a mother speaking. Yeah, it's the mess. The mess that I can make. So whether you're a hyper-individual, I do my own thing, whatever, um, we are all influenced by something. Um, or should I say, we're all shaped by something or something is shaping your life. So even right now, it could be the culture that's around you. It could be your family upbringing. It could be the voice of someone, a loved one in your life and someone that might not even be in your life anymore, but it's the lingering voice, something that is shaping your life. We're all being shaped by something in the workplace, at home, in church, sports, friendships, Um, And this is a really profound thing that we should think through. Um, So at this stage, I'm going to try something. So I'm going to have Carrie jump back up. I brought some Play-Doh. It's a new Play-Doh, so you've got to try and get it out. Um, So I'm going to have Carrie try and shape some things for me um, as I prompt her to. We don't have a lot of time, so try and be as quick. I can take that container. Um, so firstly, can you shape a ball? A very easy one, hopefully. So it's always interesting to see kind of people's strategy, too. I do the <laughs> Perfect. So we're getting there. Nice. Nice. What do we think? Yeah? Pretty good ball? Yeah? Okay, good. All right. <laughs> is that Andrew? Yeah. Hi, Andrew. Um, second, a little bit harder. Can you make a dog? Hey, we're getting a little bit harder than this. Don't worry. All right, we're going for some legs. Okay, that's fine. There are some two-legged dogs out there. We've got to show them love, too. Yeah. Okay, good. What do we think? Yeah, good, yeah. Kids approve. Yeah, oh, we got a couple of... Okay, next one, what about a giraffe? You could probably use that same shape. (laughs) Good. Fun fact, does anybody know what sound a giraffe makes? No, they don't. They don't make any sounds. So you know if a giraffe is spooked by the way it's looking. True. There you go. There you go, that's a good giraffe. What do we think? I like that one. All right, last one, last one. Can you form a person? Shape a person. Huh? 
a fact about a person? Anybody know what sound a human makes? No? Lots of different ones, yeah. Hey, we all have lumps, it's okay. Yeah. Perfect. That's great. What do we think? Human? Perfect. Well, let me... Yeah? <laughs> Andrew, maybe you can do a little bit better. Perfect. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you to Carrie. So, here's the thing. There's lots of different shapes um, that are formed very easily. Um, what... What would a shape be if I was to ask you to form a Christian out of Play-Doh? What, what's that image that would come to you um, if I asked you to form or shape a Christian? Is there any way that people could identify you without you having saying a word? Is there any shape that you could take that could clearly identify you as a Jesus follower? Uh, and this is the big point that I want to try and make here this morning. The greatest thing, the greatest shape and form that Jesus took that we should follow is the form of a loving servant. Sacrificing, becoming that servant for others. You could look at how we serve humanity. You could look at how we serve life around us. And you would know that there would be something different, that they must be a follower of Jesus. And this is actually what Jesus was trying to constantly put before his followers and his disciples. And if you look at the history of the church, what you'll find is that there was 12 guys that walked around with this rabbi named Jesus who happened to be the Son of God. Again, there was lots of other rabbis and lots of other disciples that were following people. Um, he died on a cross and then he rose again. He showed himself to 500 plus people. And then from there, we see what happened in the, in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is what happens after that period. So the church starts to explode from 120 people in a place called the upper room, which is where the chapter that we're reading from today happens, it turns into 3,000, and then it turns into 5,000. It literally starts to explode. But here's the thing. They didn't have what we call the New Testament. At that time, this was being written by the apostles. What they did have were the first five books of the Bible called the Torah, and they had their personal encounters with Jesus, and they had their acts of service. So we see in the book of Acts, especially at the beginning in, in chapter 2 and chapter 4, um, the apostles decided to do some radical sacrificial service for others. Why? Because it was just like the person that they were following. So how it got from one Jewish carpenter on the outskirts of Jerusalem to the main religion of the Roman Empire in only 380 years, it was all about the way that they acted and the way that they lived. Actions speak louder than words. So because those actions start to show who you and I truly are and what we're truly becoming, they were becoming more and more like Jesus and serving others. And the world looked at them and said, man, this is undeniable. This is beyond worldly. This is something special. It must be God. I love this Timothy Keller quote, if we can throw it up on the screen. 
The early church was strikingly different from the culture around it in this way. The pagan society, and the word pagan simply means people who adhere to multiple beliefs. So the pagan society was stingy with its money and promiscuous with its body. Pagans gave nobody their money and practically gave everybody their body. And the Christian came along and gave practically nobody their body and gave practically everyone their money. And that's a great insight into the early church. There was something radically defining about these Jesus followers. Jesus didn't come to just revolutionize what we believe. Jesus came to flip the human hierarchy. Jesus came to show us that the higher you go in the kingdom, the greater you are at serving. This was radically different, and it's still very radically different today if you think about society. So we pick up the rest of the story. So Jesus is having his last meal with the disciples in that upper room. Um, And what we conclude by just looking at the story is that the disciples probably arrived earlier than Jesus. Um, And they come into the room, they sit down, and they're kind of just waiting for Jesus to arrive and the meal to begin. Um, And again, this is Middle Eastern society. So they didn't have the high tables. They didn't have chairs. um, Everything was lower. They had cushions to sit on the ground. Um, and the, the tables were extremely low. Um, this would mean that people's legs would be sitting out by their side because they're trying to figure out where their feet go. Um, so their feet were near the table. It's a little bit obviously unhygienic, but that was the way that culture was. They also walk in open sandals down muddy roads, and they sit around a table, and Jesus does something that is so out of the norm. In fact, it's very unheard of for a rabbi to do this especially someone of such prominence as Jesus. So he takes off his outer garments and he gets a towel and a basin and he starts to wash the disciples' feet. And you have to understand that these guys were in absolute shock as to what was happening. This was not a common practice. But Jesus was actually trying to show them something like, this is what it looks like to truly follow me. That this is so much more than just let me change your beliefs. He's trying to show them this is how we live. This is what our lives are going to look like in the world when you follow me. So the first point, point number one, Jesus faithfully loves us. And before we get into the serving side of Jesus, we need to recognize that this whole chapter starts with the foundation that we do everything from. God's love for us. Verse one. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them till the end. His love was so extremely faithful. And I want to tell you guys that it's extremely faithful for you as well. And you might be thinking, well, Chris, that's so elementary. Are we talking about Jesus' love? Yeah, we're talking about Jesus' love. Because until that starts to become something that shapes your reality, guess what's going to happen? You're going to look at everything else to find love and validation as opposed to the one who was meant to give it to you in the first place. Jesus' love and faithfulness towards you shapes how we live in this life. In fact, as Christians, we don't do things for love anymore. We do it from love. We live a different way because He faithfully loves us, and He still does. And we spoke about this a little bit last week. Everything that we are, everything that we are, First comes from the source of everything that he 
is. So the more you focus on Jesus' faithful love for you, the more you will grow in the faithful love for him. Some of us make religion about what do I need to do for God, but it's not that. Start by giving more attention to what he has already done for you and watch what happens on the inside. So point number two, what we entertain in our hearts will eventually activate in our lives. What we entertain in our hearts will eventually activate in our lives. Verse 2. The evening meal was already in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. So paying careful attention to what this is, what this is saying. Um, so the devil prompted. He prompted Judas. So what does that mean? Anybody heard that quote? The devil made me do it? It didn't. It didn't make him do it. That was you. But the devil can prompt you into what is already in your heart. What is already there? James 1 verse 14. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. So in other words, we actually want to do things. The devil didn't make you do it. You just wanted it. He can't make you, but he can prompt you towards what has already been cultivated in your heart. Example. So on Friday mornings, I have Sawyer, or on Fridays, I have Sawyer. He stays home from preschool with me, um, and we have kind of a Sawyer and Dada day. Um, and usually, I take him to a cafe in the morning because I don't want to cook breakfast again. Um, but we go to a place called Ruby's Roost, which is in Victoria, um, and it's a little coffee shop. Um, and a couple weeks ago, we walked in. We were standing at the counter. Uh, I was talking to the lady behind the counter. They just changed ownership. Um, and I was kind of asking how, how everything was going since the transition. Um, and conversation was going back and forth. And as that was happening, a lady from the back came out and brought this nice, freshly baked tray of caramel rolls and put them right on top of the counter. And I'm like, whoa. I'm like, that smells good. Um, they're fresh out of the oven. Um, the smell is kind of wafting, that you can see kind of the caramel dripping, angels are singing, you know, it's all, it's all going very good. Um, and she's like, do you want one? And I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm trying to watch what I'm eating. Um, <laughs> and then, so like we're, we're talking back and forth and I'm like, uh, I told her that I wanted a kid's hot chocolate and, and I'm going to have a latte and all the time we're still talking and I'm looking, I'm like, man, these things look good. Um. And for anybody that, and you can ask Meg this, uh, donuts are my weak point. Um, and the caramel roll for me is kind of like a donut in a tuxedo. Like it's, it's like, it's that next level donut. Um, so it was, it was very hard. So like we're, we're talking and I felt, I honestly felt like that she was delaying the coffee making process because she knew that I was watching these things. I'm sure Jamie has done this a time or two when he used to work in the coffee shops as well, trying to get that extra little buy. Um, so she's like, are you sure you don't want one? I'm like, yep, I'm good. I, I, I am good. And she's slowly making this thing. She gets the coffee ready. And I'm like, just throw one in. May, <laughs> just may as well. Just put it in. So then, obviously, we go outside and boom, I destroyed it. Absolutely destroyed this thing. I didn't even want it in the first place. Um, but, you know, you got to support the small businesses. So... Uh, <laughs> Exactly. Sacrificing for these small businesses. So 
she didn't make me do that. It was already in my heart. My love of donuts, my love of caramel rolls was already inside of me. But she prompted me to it. Um, and all that happened in my heart. I already love donuts and I still do. My life is one God, two family, three donuts. It's already there. Um, but it was already in my heart. And here's the thing. The problem is not necessarily our external behaviors. What we do and don't do, the problem is what we love. That is the biggest issue with the human condition. You can try and change everything on your outside. You see this with people's New Year's resolutions. That's why they only last until February. People are trying to constantly change the outside. You can try and be self-controlled. You can try and be a better version of you. But here's the thing. Until you change your heart, you can never truly change. And that's what Jesus is saying when he came along. And the number one purpose of his mission was salvation. And salvation is just changing of the heart. It's a redirection of the heart. So in other words, it causes your loves to change. It changes what you love. So why is this a big deal? Because the devil wants to prompt what is in your heart. That's what he did to Judas. He was prompting what was already there. If you have jealousy in your heart, he can prompt towards gossip and slander. If you have lust in your heart, he can prompt towards selfish, sensual actions. If you have greed in your heart, he can prompt you towards stinginess. If you have hate in your heart, he can prompt towards violence and anger. If you have empty religion in your heart, he can prompt you towards loving your own religious piety and actions. You see, he just prompts what is already there. And the issue with Judas is that, issue, uh, is that Judas didn't love Jesus. He had a love of money. And that was a love that was in his heart and the devil was prompting him to sell out Jesus, to betray him. David cries out in Psalm 51.10, God, create in me a clean heart and renew a loyal spirit within me. Change my heart is what David is saying. We must recognize that whatever you entertain in your heart is eventually going to be activated in your life. Again, why is this so important? This is why we need to be in small groups with one another. This is why we need to have that daily devotional to bring yourself before God daily. Create in me a clean heart because I want to do it your way. Because your ways are always better. I want to entertain what you have for me in my life. Activate those things in my life. So until we change our heart, our loves, we can never truly change our life. So point number three, Jesus cleans up our lives, but we still get dirty. We do. We get, we get dirty every day. He cleans up our lives, but we still have a tendency to get dirty. So John 13 5 to 11. Jesus poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus, re Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, 
and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. So I love camping. Um, anyone not like camping? No, we got, oh, we got a few finger points at dad there, yeah. So I've taken, I've taken Sawyer up to the Boundary Waters uh, pretty much every year of his life, um, and it's a nice little tradition that we're doing. Um, and we always take a lake bath at the end of the day before we get into the tent to clean off from the day, right? Get rid of all the sweat and the grime. Uh, so before we hop into the clean tent and the clean sleeping bags, we don't want to bring any of that uh, back in with us. But it doesn't matter how hard you try from that clean water to the tent, your feet are going to get dirty. You put on shoes, it's still going to get dirty. You put on flip-flops, it's still going to get dirty. It doesn't matter what you do. So what do you do? You make your way back. You probably have a towel waiting for you or some form of little water bucket, and you wash off again. After you've had a bath, you have that little washing section before getting into the tent because, again, you don't want to bring all that stuff back into the tent with you. And this is what Jesus is saying. That when you say yes to Jesus and ask him to wash us clean of our sin and shame, he does it. He does it without hesitation. That's what the cross was for. And just like camping, you can have that shower, but we still have a journey. We still have life to live. And that's what it was like. From the lake bath to the tent, that's our life between now and until we enter eternity. Our feet are going to get dirty. We will get dirty. We will pick up a little bit of dirt along the way. And this is what Jesus is saying to Peter. He's like, hey, Pete, you're all good. You believe in me. I've already washed you. Your soul has been cleansed. But life is a journey. And this is something that we're going to have to do every day. And kind of what Carrie mentioned before, it's that daily aspect of coming before God. But it's not as big as you think. I've already covered it, but you need to keep trusting in me daily. You need to come before me daily. And this is where the word repentance comes in. Repentance simply means to change your mind and change your direction. And when we come before Jesus every day and we repent, what we're saying is, Jesus, keep cleaning me up. There are still some things that I know that I'm working on, but we're doing this together and I'm a work in progress. Repentance just means daily dependence on God. So I challenge you, are you coming before the Lord daily? Once you say yes to Jesus, you are clean. But your salvation, your eternity is still a journey. We will still get dirty and we will still need to come before God daily to help him clean up those momentary moments. Point four, the greater you are, the greater you serve. So the greater you are in the kingdom, the greater you serve. So John 13, 12 to 17. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. 
Now that you know these things, you are blessed. You'll be blessed if you do them. What we see in this story is something so radical. So let me kind of backtrack again. So Jesus walks into this dinner party. The disciples are already there. Now remember the Middle Eastern time, they're all sitting, open shoes at the table, lower on the ground, the feet are right by the table. Um, open shoes and sandals, kind of the original Birkenstocks, uh, the Jesus sandals. Um, so they arrive, they go in, and custom was that there was a foot washer at the door to any party, to any house. And usually it was a slave or it was, or it was a Gentile servant. Um, so if you ever walked into somebody's house, there was somebody there to wash your feet. Um, and at this party, there wasn't. Um, and the disciples, they just kind of came straight in and, oh, there's nobody here. I'm not going to wash my own feet. I'm just going to come into the party anyway. And again, because this is a medieval time, all the roads are dirt roads. Some of them are mud. Some of them are stone. There's obviously a lot of water and sand and dirt. Not only that, but you have the cattle and the the horses that are moving up and down these byways. So you've got all the manure that's everywhere. On top of that, in the cities, they didn't have aqueducts either. Uh, They didn't have systems for sewage. So what they would literally do is get their buckets and toss them out into the street. So you have people coming and going, coming and going through all of that. And then again, these disciples are coming up into the upper room. And there's nobody there to wash their feet. And they're not going to wash them themselves. So they just move into the dinner party. So when Jesus comes, Jesus is like, wait, well, okay, like this is not what we do. Like you can't do this. So everyone's sitting around. The mess and the stench is there. The disciples have kind of decided to, to kind of just do it. And then Jesus arrives. He says, like, guys who have been together for three years already in ministry, and this is the last thing that I'm going to teach you. And this is the big point here. Jesus just got up and did it. He didn't tell the disciples like, okay, everybody, I'm going to go one by one. I'm going to wash all your feet. He didn't say any of that. He just got up and he did it. He takes off his robe and he starts. And you can imagine what they're thinking. Jesus is getting down, doing the unthinkable for them. Again, this is a job that is given to slaves and not just any slaves, not Jewish slaves, Gentile slaves. This is the worst of the worst jobs that was in society. And Jesus is getting down and doing it. Their rabbi is doing it and it's unthinkable. But what we see here is that Jesus is showing them that to be in the kingdom and to follow him, this is how we need to live life. This is the pinnacle of of ministry. This is what it looks like to be a true follower of me. To become great in the kingdom, you must become the greatest servant. And again, that's a paradigm shift for them and for us. We live in a world right now too that the greater you are in this world, the more you don't have to do anything. The more and more people will serve you. But again, this is the opposite. It's an upside down hierarchy. We are working our way not to be served by others, but we are working our way down to actually serve others. This is what it means to follow him. And this is what we've signed up for. And what we've got to recognize that serving others reveals the true attitude of your heart. When you serve, it's a selfless act. 
you're giving up an hour of your day to help others. You could be somewhere else. You could have rushed back and spent more time with your family. You could have obviously uh, given more time to your friends. But it's a selfish act to then help others. It reveals that it isn't always about you. So serving others takes you from a fan of Jesus to a follower of Jesus. And this is an interesting point because many people love Jesus. Everybody loves Jesus up until a certain point. Everyone loved watching what Jesus did, all his miracles, especially when it was for them. I'm sure a lot of those people on the hill were like, I love when you do that fish and that bread thing. Can you come and do it again? Of course people are going to love Jesus. I love how you healed me. I love how you healed my friends. But we, we should be fans of Jesus. There's nothing wrong with that. But what Jesus actually was trying to do was transition people from being fans to followers. Fans admire the work that's being done, but followers contribute to the work being done. There's a difference there. So when you're a fan, you're admiring, but when you're a follower, you're doing it also. And Jesus says to the disciples and to us, I'm inviting you to become not a fan, but a follower in my ministry, a part of the ministry. Jesus says, I want you to follow me and do exactly what I'm doing. This is what it means to be a follower. Verse 15, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Then the last point. Without belief in Jesus, we are ultimately self-serving. John 13, 12 to 17. Actually, no. It's, it's uh, 18 to 21. I'm not referring to all of you. I know the, those I have chosen, but this is to fulfill the passage of Scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. I'm telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. Very truly I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. And after he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, Very truly I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. And it's a, it's a sad end to the story here. Uh, we don't hear very many sermons about Judas. Uh, just like you don't really hear many kids named Judas. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure Meg, Meg the teacher has never really had a kid called Judas. If anything, I'm sure you could name a cat Judas because I don't like cats. So feel free to name all your cats Judas. That's, that's fine by me. I give you approval for that. Um, but what we need to recognize is that this extremely sad and heartbreaking story, and it was heartbreaking for Jesus too, should actually shake us up a little bit in a good way. It should wake us up. See, here's the thing. Judas was one of the 12. He followed Jesus for three years in ministry. He saw Jesus turn water into wine. He saw the healing of an official son with just his words. He saw him heal a paralytic person. He saw Jesus feed the 5,000. In fact, he was actually one of the ones that was handing out food. Judas watched Jesus walk on water. He watched him with his own eyes. Jesus, yeah, Judas watched Jesus heal a blind man, a man that was born blind and never seen before. 
He watched all of that happen. And then to top it off, Judas watched Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. He saw it all, which makes this point. Whenever someone says, when God does a miracle, then I'll believe him. No. Judas saw more miracles than we can ever imagine. It's not about the miracles. It's, a, it's about the heart. What's in the heart? What are the loves in your heart? Because if it's just about seeing a miracle, then guess what? We'll probably just end up dismissing it for chance or coincidence. It was the heart. And Judas's problem was that Judas served Jesus only on the outside. In other words, he did a lot of Christian activity, but he never let Jesus serve him on the inside. He never let Jesus change his heart. Judas had a love of money that was above all. Judas was self-serving. And while Jesus was so busy being self-giving, he missed that whole idea. And really, I think what we need to take away from this story is not to live for yourself. When you live for yourself, you will never truly be satisfied with your life. Why? Because we're made by God for God to be in a relationship with God. And until our hearts are right with Him, until we let Him serve us through salvation, we will never truly be satisfied and fulfilled. And we'll never really know why Judas refused or what his inner turmoil was like. But what we can learn is that Jesus, uh, Jesus came first and foremost to serve. He came to serve you and He came to serve me. And that's ultimately what the work of the cross is, to serve humanity, to clean the biggest mess that was ever made, to wash us of something that we could never clean up on our own. But we do have those daily cleanses that we need to come back for every day. Jesus, wash my feet. Clean me today because I get dirty. So that's my prayer for us this morning that we, we would work our way downwards on the outside to serve others. Upwards on the inside, but downwards on the outside. That we can follow Jesus' example and make our lives beyond ourselves, because He has already fulfilled us. To serve others is not an obligation. Sorry, to serve others not in obligation, but because He already served us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all that you've done in our lives. We thank you for Jesus and for this example of service. I pray that you will continue to shape and form us as individuals and as a community with servant hearts. Help us to serve you, help us to serve each other, and help us to serve our community. May your name be forever lifted high. Amen.